what if it was Woody that poisoned the water hole? And he was just like, oh God, somebody poisoned the water hole. And it turned out he was a serial killer. I don't trust Tom Hanks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Windy City Wingers podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Fire, Chicago Red Stars, and a trip around the world for a soccer update from all over the globe. My name is Alex Herman, and I'm joined, as always, by Dave Kolichkowski and Brady Olson. Boys, how are we feeling today? I feel excellent. I'm feeling decent. Well, that's good. That we've had. You look excellent, Dave. The lighting in your room today is just impeccable, and I'm yeah, sorry the viewers, the listeners can't can't view. It. view. Yeah. It's no, I thought he was using a filter. That's how good no. Dave looks today. <laughs> yeah, I finally don't look terrible. I know. He sounds great too. Leaned far away from the microphone. Far away. <laughs> Thank you to Ian Scarlato as always. For running things behind the glass, he's probably going to clean that up, or gonna he's going to leave it as adjustments is. You no, he's going to leave it as <laughs> is to humiliate you even further, Dave. And thank you to Jen oh, come as on, well. Guys. We need some depth. <laughs> we need some depth in our audio. You know, like this is when I was close to the mic. <laughs> this is what I thought. <laughs> we are right, so. we are off off <laughs> the rails very here. quick, very quick today. We have a big episode. We need to stay on track. Keep we things do, moving actually. along. That's very true. Yes. Uh, and thank you to Jen Bennett, who is helping us run our social medias as well, keeping the posts interesting, up to date. Thank you, Jen. Yes. Thank you, Ian. Yes, Jen. Thank you. Today is Monday, July 26th. Woo, Mondays. Yesterday was Sunday, July 25th, for those of you that have trouble with math. I understand that struggle as well. But yesterday was a great day for a Cubs game, which all three of us did, ah. not in the same group. But boy, <laughs> did we have a ton of fun doing it. Uh, yeah. Brady and my group arrived at Wrigley a little bit early, went over to Murphy's for some uh, hot dogs and beers outside on the little patio area. And plenty of beers were had inside the stadium as well. The Cubs played well as they should against the Diamondbacks. Won the game. Beautiful sunny day. Yeah. Loved it. Oh, I have so much to say about that, but I feel like we don't have time. So we don't have time. You are correct. <laughs> Save it for the Cubs podcast. In other news, the Olympics started on Friday, last Friday, yes. the twenty third, and I love the Olympics. Everybody should love the Olympics. They come around I love once every. Four years for the Summer Olympics. Real quick, question to both of you. What is your favorite Summer Olympic event? Ooh, what a question. Man. I think the sprints are some of my favorites. The 100 and 200 Ooh, men's, women's, doesn't good. matter. Yep. Just seeing okay. human beings run that fast is pretty incredible. Although, as you two know, but the listener might not, I love the niche sports as well. Mm -hmm. it's like, Give me some track cycling. Give me some, 
I don't know what what other things that have you. I mean, handball is one of my favorite sports too. Yeah, dude. Water been watching polo. a yeah. I've been watching a lot of water polo. Yeah, I have. That's one of those sports. I have no idea what's going on. I just love it. It's yep. it's just fun. Yeah, it really. I is. really like to watch the swimming like as well. Yeah, just, swimming's it's, pretty cool. And and the way that they uh, get you into the narrative of what's going on between mm-hmm. people. Like it was yep. the decky versus the lady from Australia. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, was a good great, battle. That was a great that battle. That was a good one. And um, yeah, it's super cool. So I, I actually love it all, but outside swimming of team sports, swimming is my favorite. So. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. I think myself, it might gymnastics is really up there for me for some reason. I don't know what it is, but I think it's just, like seeing people that do cool those yeah. like body shouldn't be able to do all those things and they do them so elegantly. It's uh it's very, very cool. Yeah. But again, all Olympic events are awesome. Love them all. Moving on to soccer. The loons check in good news from up North. Another victory two to one win over Portland. Uh, the only goal for Portland uh, came from Mora. Might be one of the best headers I've ever seen. Unbelievable control to put the ball exactly where he wanted to there. Chase Gasper had a header goal himself in the 74th minute to tie the game up for the Loons, uh, fed to him by Hassani Dotson. And finally, Ludd gets his goal in the 85th minute. He had been knocking on the door all game long with so many opportunities. The Loons overall had 28 shots on goal this game. So they were just pounding the goal, figuring out ways to try to get the ball in there, came away with two of them. And the entire second half highlights of this game is just shots on goal for Minnesota. So they definitely controlled the ball in that second half made the most of two of those opportunities. I'll have to watch that Mora goal to give you the insight into what goes into a great header. <laughs> yes. Now I'm nervous. I called it a great mm-hmm. header, and I think I'm going to get schooled on why it's a basic header. But off I... Pod. Yeah. Yeah. Humiliate me off the pod, not on it. <laughs> no, no. Taking it. To the Windy City, we're going to start off again with the Red Stars, lovely ladies of Chicago, who this week played Gotham FC, the Bat Ladies. Unfortunately, that woman got the best of us. Yep, this time. This yeah, time. Uh, we lost one to two. Dave, you kept a close eye on this game. Uh, you have the breakdown actually for us this week I instead do. of Brad I for do. the Red Stars. No, no I'm so, going back to back. Yeah, baby. Back to back. Let's Last go. week, this week, I'm locked in. Yeah, so just a quick recap of the game. So in the second minute, uh, Cassie Miller had a fantastic save. It was point Blake blocked it with her knee. Solid save by the keeper. Uh, was locked in. Was very mm-hmm. excited to see. Uh, 13th minute, big opportunity here for the Red Stars. Pew whips in a cross from the right side and finds Watt just inside the 18. Uh, Watt makes a great first touch, um, and the ball is slightly behind her, but she gracefully puts it back in front of her with her and, and gets it in front of her body. Um, uh, she had used her right foot for this and takes a couple of quick steps after the first touch, and then 
gets it ready for a shot on a right foot and whips it back into the lower left-hand corner. However, uh, Heracic makes a fantastic save. Like she laid out, it was beautiful. Uh, like, I guess if you were going to critique one thing, like Watt might've been able to put more pace on the ball if she had hit it cleaner, but it was a beautiful shot, beautiful save. I felt like at this point, all oh, Red Star is going to be locked in here and might get a chance to uh, pull ahead. Unfortunately, that was not the case uh, um, in the third minute of stoppage time in the first uh. half. Allie Long uh, scores a goal. Um, and, you know, r- being right for, right before halftime, it's just brutal for the Red Stars. We've talked. Yeah, this it's is, the worst time. Yeah, it's, I mean, it is. It is. <laughs> you, you only had a minute left. So, yeah. Ugh. This is rough, but it was an amazing goal. Uh, Diasco <laughs> crosses a ball in from the right side, and it was, ap- it was a beautiful ball. Uh, Long makes a perfect run. Uh, near post, uh, tracking that ball in, one touch strike, and she chips it over the keeper Miller and into the goal. So while it was frustrating to see, it was a beautiful goal to witness, and it was very exciting. Ali Long is very good. Yes. Do not forget. Sixty <laughs> ninth yes. minute, per speed travels into the box uh, with the ball at her feet. Uh, she's slightly left of center of the box there. Bianca St. George tries to help with the recovery effort for the Red Stars, but she fouls Purse when she gets in the box. The ref, frustratingly, has a very delayed call here. Uh, the Red Stars f- seem like they got away with it, and the players thought the same thing, but at the end of the day, it was the right call. So in the 70th minute, Purse is awarded the, the attempt at the, uh, the penalty kick. She takes care of business here, like no nonsense, no pausing. She just runs up and absolutely bangs it in the lower left corner. 2-0 Gotham. Uh, not too much else to say here. Uh, we have to obviously go over the negative here at the end of the game. Um, in the fourth minute of stoppage time in the second half, Bianca St. George ends up getting a red card. It was a gold sc- scoring opportunity, but I would make an argument that the feet were kind of tangled at this point. Um, but I guess the argument is as a professional, you shouldn't be getting that close to them once they're past you either. So it's, it's kind of a gray area yet again, as we were kind of talking about last week, but at the end of the day, it was probably the right call. It sucks. Uh, Cause she has to miss the next game too. Yeah. Because of a yeah. red card and right. one that late is just frustrating and, it sucks for Bianca who has to miss a game, yeah. even though it was like it, the last. It, it feels silly almost like, you mm-hmm. know, like at this point, like you're, you've lost the game, whether she scores or not. Yeah. Like, and, and, and no matter what you do at this point, it, it was just silly. So I think maybe pulling up there or, or trying to cut a little bit out and try and cut back in. But I know you're probably gassed yeah. at that point. So like we could analyze it all day, but it, it happened. It's done. It's a bummer, but it is what it is at this point. Uh, and then, shockingly, uh, the, the 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 Red Stars score a goal a minute later. Uh, Doniak uh, scores a goal at the death. Katie Johnson uh, took the ball down the right side of the box and draws two defenders, which was great. She ends up passing the ball between of them and between them, and uh, Doniak was open in the middle. Um, she takes a touch to control it actually does a full 360 turn kind of shielding the ball while she was doing it. And this creates a bunch of space for her. 
And she's able to slam it home into the left-hand corner of the net, which was an awesome, awesome goal. So we get a little consolation at the very end, but you know, it's at the cost of losing a player for the next game. So this was a tough game for the Red Stars. With that loss, they dropped to fourth. Um, they have a game in hand on most teams in the table. That includes teams above them and below them. Both Pew and Watt had some good moments. Um, and I, I do have to say, again, that consolation goal by Doniak was super nice. Um, all I have to say is it'll be exciting to see how they turn around again after this loss this weekend and then when they get Julie Ertz back in the next couple of weeks too. For sure. So I think I think we will be a very solid team for the remainder of the season. I'm excited. And even though we lost, fans shouldn't be deterred. This is yeah, a solid it's group a of women. Looking. And they've been slowly improving. So Yeah, I yeah. agree. Well said, Dave. Love it. And thank you for the thorough breakdown. Quick but thorough. Perfect. Balancing on a razor's edge there. <laughs> Coming up next, the Chicago Red Stars face the Washington Spirit on August 1st at 5 p.m. We will talk about that date later on because that's a big one for soccer coming up this weekend. Mm -hmm. Now, moving over to the Fire. They had two games this week, and uh, unfortunately, neither of them turned out the way that we hoped for. Um, since we do have so much to cover today, we're, we're going we're gonna to... Not skim over both of these. We're going to give you a quicker breakdown than we usually do for these sure. fire games. But for that first game against DC United uh, last week, both Dave and Brady were at the game. Yeah. Yeah. Was there. In, did you two attend together planned? We did not. No. Oh. I was entertaining a group of my fiance's friends that night who actually okay. showed some interest in the fire. So it was super fun. Super cool. captivating. We were cool. up two 0 and then we ended up drawing, which was hard yeah. to explain to people. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the game is just over now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's bummer. Yeah, <laughs> we do not like ties in the USA. We don't understand no, no. them. Um, so for this match with DC United, what was the vibe in the stadium? Because it's not been a good season for the Fire. So I'm just curious if fans are still engaged and hopeful. Uh, what what did you pick up on? Yeah. So I actually went super early just because we were trying to make sure if anybody got there early, we would be there to receive them at the field. But we sure. actually went down to, um, I think it was Burnham Downs, yeah. like that little like uh, fan section. It was, it was It was really interesting because I think the youth team just won some kind of cup or tournament or something like that. So oh, they had a bunch of people there. Tournament. Yeah, yeah. That was super cool. <laughs> so they were celebrating and taking pictures. And uh, cool. I, I grabbed a, a beer with Colleen there, and it was just kind of a different environment. Uh, you would normally expect for a major league club for it to be a much larger celebration and stuff, but it was still just kind of neat to be down there early and you actually see people there because normally it's pretty empty. Um, and then I did witness the announcing of the starting 11, uh, which I think could be a ton of fun in the future. So I, I I think it's a cool concept, but they just need to get the personnel in there. So they raise flags yeah. on the south side of the yes. stadium, correct? Yeah, correct. Yeah. They do. Pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, I would say, as far as my general vibes were concerned, the expectations have been lowered. Uh, people are, mm -hmm. are excited to be in Soldier. They're excited to see soccer in Soldier Field. But you look around, you talk to the person next to you. How oh, the fire going to do today? 
uh, who cares? I'm here. I'm outside. It's not a yeah. bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Less. Yeah. I mean, be responsible. And I think uh, it's also good, though, that, you know, it sounds like fans are still engaged, so to speak. They understand that the team is struggling, but still showing up, still going to the game. Yeah. And we should talk a little bit more about this MLS's next tournament, but unfortunately, I don't know a ton about it. But that's something that the Fire Juniors wouldn't have won a couple of years ago. Like there is a absolute focus on the youth portion of the fire, which is very important for the future of this club. Very exciting to me. But let's go into the DC game. <laughs> Absolutely. So the fire came away with a tie against DC United, two to two. And within the first 10 minutes of this game, DC already had had a couple really nice runs, good shots on goal. Shuttleworth, as he really has done all year, saves the day multiple times to not let them get an easy goal right off the bat. Still saving our bacon. Uh, yeah. we, we played the, the three back, five back, and it looked like a five back. We were pinned back in for the first start of this game, and there were no really good outlets. So definitely something worth paying attention to. Yes. And the fire kind of flipped the table there where it looked like DC was in control to start off. Uh, fire eventually came back. And in the 32nd minute, Jimenez puts in the first goal of the game for the fire and first goal of the game overall. It was a beautiful inward bending pass from Sekulich. Jimenez puts a head on it, puts it in the corner of the goal, giving the fire the one to zero lead. And that's definitely part of Jimenez's skill set and also what he's supposed to do in this formation is sort of be that free player that can kind of wander into the box late. No one picked him up because he sort of snuck in there and Mm -hmm. just a beautiful ball by Sekulich. Yeah. I mean, like that's what you expect from um, Jimenez too. Like he's kind of been quiet, uh, you know, this first half of the season. However, the distance that that was from like the placement, it was just absolutely beautiful. That's That's what you expect from him. And that's where you get rally behind him and get excited. Absolutely. You two did not watch the game on TV, but I did. And in the 41st minute, they caught Shuttleworth (laughs) screaming at his defense. (laughs) What the F. (laughs) And it was right after a super easy look for DC where a guy was... uh, a DC player was wide open, basically right in the middle of the box with a perfect look at goal. And I, we've seen Shuttleworth yelling all season long, and that was just a quick glimpse into probably what he's usually yelling at his yeah. defense because they have just <laughs> not been good this year. I laughed really hard when I saw that, and I'm glad that Shuttleworth has an outlet <laughs> to let his emotions out. <laughs> I mean, that's this guy's still my MVP, guys. Like, I got to yeah. be honest. Like, I mean, yeah. he honestly, deserves to honestly. like absolutely break down. Like, and, and and when I was talking to the group we were with, like, there was a lot of questions because a lot of them weren't like fire fans, but they were like, like, who's your who's the best player right now? And like, I was kind of looking around. And I was like, you know, I want you want to say Madron, you want to say Alaseda, but to be honest, they haven't really shown up until a couple of weeks ago. And for me, the MVP is Shuttleworth. He's been the standout. He makes fantastic saves, and he's the one that kept them in it in this game as well. So, and he's not even yeah. supposed to be our starter. No, yeah, and that's right. the crazy thing. I had made that point too, and people were like, "Wow, that's cool." I was like, "Yeah, yeah it's super weird, right?" <laughs> yep, yep. He's having a great year. 
And boy, if if he was not, or we had a goalie that was just playing average, <laughs> we would be in really big trouble, bigger trouble than we, we would already be. are. No, we would, would be worse. Yes, <laughs> not be second to last place, but we'd be last, last place. Moving into the second half, right away we had some subs: Kevin Paredes coming in for Mora, and Jordi Reina coming in for Assad. A lot of times we don't talk about the other team subs just because we're trying to get through the game and we're focusing mostly on the fire. But I wanted to point out, I love Kevin Paredes and Jordi Reyna. I've loved them. I've loved Jordi Reyna for a, a while. And then Kevin Paredes is a youngster, 18 years old. Very exciting watch. And he's a little bit too young to know any better. So he tries crazy things and he does like awesome runs and stuff like that. So while I was as a neutral fan, I, I wasn't a neutral fan, but as a neutral, <laughs> I was disappointed to not see them on the field, but mm-hmm. excited that we weren't playing them. And here they come. They're going to be significant in this game. Yes. So in the 61st minute, in that second half, we have an own goal on Nahar for the fire. The fire have a real nice run here. Uh, Frankowski drives the ball forward, passes it over to Navarro, who looks to be trying to pass it into Barrich, but instead it bounces off of Nehar perfectly and into the net. Own goals always blow my mind because the angle it bounces off of Nahar is perfect. Like it is a gorgeous accidental shot. It blows my mind that <laughs> half of the own goals that happen are like, that was absolutely gorgeous if it wasn't an accident. It's yeah. too bad he didn't. So interesting. It. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I think that's a testament to the position of like the keepers too. Like they just are the professionalism now with the modern day keeper, even though a lot of people get, um, give a lot of crap to them at this point. Like it's, it is a testament. Like they're always in position. So like an errant shot, uh, often beats them because they're not expecting it. They're not mm-hmm. anticipating yep. it. But if you yep. get a clean look from way out, like they definitely could block it. So. Oh yeah. Yep. You're totally right though. I had a perfect yeah. angle for this one and it was glorious. I was very excited. Yeah. I was, yeah, no, I, I I was super in. excited too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this one I did see completely and I was super hyped. I was screaming before everybody else was in my section. I was like, it's in like, <laughs> yeah, it's great. Nice. <laughs> Uh, After this, things start to heat up a little bit in terms of physicality. Both teams trading yellow cards. DC is stepping up their intensity and beginning to press higher up the field. Fire don't like that very much. Get off of our field. The fire also caved, too. They started to fall back, back, back. Then, starting in the 82nd minute, we start to see what is eventually going to kind of be the defensive collapse for the fire. Paredes Mm -hmm. puts in a goal. Um, The shot goes through Sekulich's legs, bounces off of the post and in. Shuttleworth didn't even really move at this shot. I don't know if he had, didn't, might not have had a good uh, eye on it, didn't see where it was coming from. this is a momentum killer, but the thought in my head is, okay, okay, one goal, let's tighten up, defense, come together, discuss it, figure it out, communicate, hold on for that W. We've only got you know another 10 minutes here. Agreed. However, that mentality forces you to fall back farther and farther and farther, and bad things tend to happen. Again, I called out Kevin Paredes. Love him. He's nominally a left back and was just not anywhere near that position in this goal, uh, which I think catches the fire off quite a bit. However, that is part of DC's plan 
is one of my favorite MLS writers calls it hitting you with the chaos hammer. And they just, they come Mm -hmm. at you with many different angles. They come at you from places they're not supposed to be. Uh, And yeah, I'm, I'm now upset that Kevin Paredes came onto the field. (laughs) Then in the 87th minute, Kamara gets the opportunity for DC penalty kick beat Shuttleworth with the stutter step tie game (sighs) down Uh, to the wire. This is just so heartbreaking for all fire fans. Shame. Yeah. Yeah. Shame. Play before this one made me so angry. Part of the partially because of mentality falling back, back, back. And then also the fire just stopped going aggressively into challenges, specifically Navarro in this play just ticked me off so much. It was an easy switch of play for DC. Is Navarro tired? Is he just mentally sitting back? Whatever. He doesn't come to close this ball down. He's so slow to pressure it. Uh, The ball's played into the box. Herbers is just kind of half clearing it, mostly passing it back to the DC team, which is just not what we need here in this moment. Ball end up squeaking into the box. Again, Navarro, I'd rather you foul here or something. Also, uh, Brian Gutierrez is around. Like Someone win the ball here outside of the box. Even so, ball squeaks into the box. Bornstein there is no reason to leave your feet. No, here. there is no, no reason to no. panic. And boy, is he! And he's too—he's too much of a veteran to panic here. Yeah. Uh, well, he's just an old man that doesn't have legs anymore. But you know, like he. <laughs> no, 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 uh, no. Uh, the laughs, like that's what I'm going for. But at the same time, it's like he's a veteran. He is, I think, the captain at this point because Calvo hasn't been playing. It doesn't make any sense. Like you do not leave your feet, no matter what, you know, that you're old, mm-hmm. you have, you have no excuse. Like you're not the guy that can do that. It's not acceptable at all. He got beats, but the player was moving towards the outside of the box. I think Bornstein could have head back towards uh, the six and he would have recovered very well. So why did you leave your feet? It did not make any yeah, sense. It just so it was a foolish me. foul. It was idiotic. It was insane. And I hope to not see that again. But I do like the most recent play from the back, like five of the Chicago Fire. So I, I agree. It's 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 hard for me to get mad about it, but that was very stupid. Again, it's a heartbreaking season for the Fire who had uh, expectations coming in. Yet another game that's lost in the last minutes in heartbreaking fashion. Tough. Obviously, this is a disappointing result from the Fire and a defensive collapse at the end. And for those of you that attended to have a 2-0 lead until the 82nd minute, like especially Dave, you're entertaining people, having a ton of fun. (laughs) It was hard to explain it all, too. Yeah, everybody's like, I thought they were going to win. The fire yeah. just take a big poop on the field in the last 10 minutes. Like feels like you on, lose guys. two points. Yep. Yeah. It's just that's yeah. And yep, they lose two points in the standings. It just really sucks. Everybody could tell though it was it was terrible. But did we even yeah. I wanted to mention one thing real quick and I know we didn't make notes about this, but did we even talk about Stanislav Ivanov coming on real quick? He did no, come on the field. That. And I did want to just mention that real quick. That was exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did not connect very well with the team yet. I would admit like watching it live, but he did 
he did show some of his talents. So I'm thinking in the next couple of weeks, we'll see something good out of him. So I yeah. just wanted to point that out, like get excited. He's on the pitch. He played yeah. about, I think 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. So. Yeah. And I think it would be expected that he doesn't mesh with the team right away. Cause not only has oh, he yeah. not played with the team before he hasn't played soccer in how many yeah. months. Exactly. So yeah, to be expected. Yeah. Yep. So one would think the fire coming off of that loss would then come into Toronto, fired up, ready to go. Uh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, we no, got to smoke no. them, right? No. No way. The fire lost to Toronto two to one. And things started off on the wrong foot right away. First half, Soteldo in the second minute gets the first goal of the game. Ah. Bornstein, 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 Bornstein no. is guarding Soteldo. Yeah, sit in the mirror and, three times, bloody Mary. Bloody and Mary. he will appear. <laughs> or he won't. In this case. He did appear. He's guarding Soteldo and takes the worst angle I've ever seen when the pass is made. And that's what looks like causes the goal because it gives Soteldo a essentially a free look inside the box right near the goal. However, Brad, you let me know, uh, is this a situation where the entire fire defense is out of place? And I know the announcers mentioned Omsberg as really being yeah the player at fault here. Yes. To me, Omsberg is the cause of all this demise here. Basically, it's the fires build up play that we've been doing a ton this season. They've been practicing, obviously, this pattern in practice. One of those outside of the three center backs gets the ball and then we move it up to our striker to Barrich or to one of the midfielders dropping back into space. For some reason, he doesn't. He dwells so long on it. And now if you lose the ball in this situation, the defense our the fire defense is spread out purposely so we can build out and not we're not ready to defend when we lose this ball immediately, Bornstein, whatever, but this one's on Omsberg for me. Yep. So, okay. You give up that early goal. You have to come back. Now we got to score. Just get some of that momentum back. The fire have a lot. And I mean, a lot of good opportunities throughout the first half and they just cannot buy a goal. They could not get the ball to go in the net here. Just brutal uh, finishing. Aliceda yeah. has moments where he can finish or find another body. Yeah. Uh, Navarro also ticked me off. There was a play where Bradley, uh, Michael Bradley sent the ball through for a Toronto breakaway and Navarro comes back and cancels out the entire play because he's engaged because he was there and ready for it. And just why can't we get that at the end of the game against DC? Maybe just brutal. Moving into the second half, things continue to slide in favor of Toronto. In the 76th minute, DeLeon has the second goal for Toronto. This comes on a counterattack from Toronto. Mullins finds DeLeon wide open, wide Wide. open for days on the right side of the box. There's no one near him. Bornstein is way too late to recover. Shuttleworth has no shot to save it because DeLeon does his job and puts a great ball in the net. But oh my, oh my word, was he wide open. And Espinoza, I think we figured out why he's not playing many minutes at left back, uh, <laughs> wildly out of position. He was paying attention to Altidore, Altidore, which makes sense. You should do that. 
but not to this level and leave De Leon wide open on the outside. It was brutal. Little spark of positive light. 77th minute right after that. Uh, Madron has a goal for the fire. Finally. They answer right away. Little pinball action happening in the box, bouncing from player pinball to player, from team to team. And Madron looks like he just kind of sticks his foot in there real quick and boop, manages to put a foot on it into the corner of the net. Okay, fire, fighting back a little bit, not lying down. There's opportunities after this one too. O'Four has a couple point blankers, including yeah. a couple of headers that he should have put in, honestly. Aliceta, a couple chances. Oof, the finishing in this game for the fire. Lee. Not good. Eesh. Yep. Was not good. And another disappointing result from the Chicago Fire here. Truly a disappointing week for them in both games. From a fan standpoint, you would say, oh, this is unlucky. There were so many shots on, 14, if you're counting. Uh, from an analyst standpoint, 3.6 expected goals to Toronto's 0.6. That's a three-goal gap, folks. Uh, and the fire just couldn't find the back of the net. Good for you, Bono, for playing an amazing game and also for starting an amazing band. But just you can't, you can't, you can't not score in this game and wait until the 77th minute. It's a beautiful day. day it's not day. for the fire. For oh, Toronto. Quiet. <laughs> on New Year's Day. <laughs> so let's not keep focusing on the fire right now because I'm mad and we just lost to arguably the worst team in the league. Yeah, okay. We will keep it cruising right along. Next game for the fire is against Philadelphia Union, August 1st at 5 p.m. That is the second time we've mentioned August mm -hmm. 1st at 5 p.m. You'll need get two, two TVs. TVs out for yes. this. Yes. <laughs> or you need to get to a bar that has both Chicago teams on. There you go. This is super Very exciting. Critical. There you, you gotta go. watch them both at the same time. Be like or us. Dave will come to hunt you down, apparently. <laughs> yeah, save my name three times in the mirror and I'll be there. <laughs> With a Carlsberg in hand. All right. So Enough of the MLS. We'll touch base on that again next week. What we've got going on right now is Olympic soccer. Yeah. Big, biggest oh, stage. Olympic soccer. Biggest stage besides the uh, World Cup. And we need a breakdown of all the history for the Olympic soccer. Yes. So Dave, yes, yes. give us our five summer Olympic soccer facts. Ooh. Yeah. I'm going to break it down real quick for you guys. So the IOC considers the tournament held in 1900. Uh, to be a part of the Summer Olympics. However, FIFA did not recognize the 1900 or the 1904 games um, mm. at all. Hmm. And actually, a lot of people also consider the 1896 games to be a part of it as well. But um, there's a lot of controversy around those first three iterations of it all. I remember it well. Yes, I'm sure. Because you are a time traveler, so it makes sense. <laughs> The 1900 games were contested by a club from France, a club from Great Britain, and student athletes from Belgium. You might ask why only one of the federations sent uh, students from college or from like any other student body. The reason was because at that point in time, it was normally um, the thing to do was to send like an actual club to play in your spot for an Olympic team. Hmm. So it was super weird. And the club from Belgium actually rejected the bid at the time. Okay. 
yeah, it was it, it was kind of odd because it was kind of the beginning of like the new founded Olympics at this point. Um, no medals were awarded in this iteration in the 19, in 1900. Um, the IOC, however, retrospectively gave the gold, silver, and bronze to Great Britain, France, and Belgium, respectively. Uh, 1908 marked the first time soccer, uh, the soccer games were considered proper or official, and that's because it was recognized by FIFA. <laughs> mm. uh, 19, in, in 1932, uh, there was no soccer, um, and that was because they were trying to promote the First World Cup. Uh, they quickly added the games back to the 1936 Olympics, though, because it was a super big source of revenue for the Olympic Games. And you mm. could just put way more people in seats for like these soccer games money. because soccer is yep. yeah. the biggest sport in the world. It makes, makes sense. Makes sense. Yep. Um, so in um, 1992, there was, an, uh, there was a rule that was made for the men's competition that only uh, players under 23 were allowed to play. But what was kind of funny is uh, four years later, they made a little bit of an exception to allow three players per team uh, to be above that age limit in 1996. So it, it was just, uh, it was funny because it didn't last long because like obviously they were concerned about like scheduling at that point in time mm -hmm. because there's so many competitions and, and the big name players get exhausted but at the same time, you still want people to get in those seats that they were talking about selling sure. back in 1900 and, and so on and so forth. Um, it, it was just important at that time. So you have to have big names to sell those seats. And if you don't have a few of them, you're not going to do it. Uh, we're going to switch over to women's real quick. Um, it was actually not added until 1996 in Atlanta. Um, and there are no atrocities age restrictions since the inception and and it's been the same right. ever since so uh a little bit of a facts about the u.s team as well the most they are the most successful team in the olympics they have won four gold USA. medals they won it USA. in 96 04 08 in in 2012 uh and they've actually been in every single gold medal match except for the one in 2016 so they actually got silver wow. in uh 2000 uh and just to put it in perspective if we're going to talk about the men's team uh the men's best finish was in 1904 uh one of the years that <laughs> fifa does not consider as legit and, and it gets worse you laugh now but just wait until i have what well, i'm gonna have to say now there were only three teams involved in this competition and the u.s a lot was allowed to have two of them <laughs> they finished yeah, they finished in second and third, and only <laughs> the only one win that they got was against themselves. Um, yeah, that's, that's um, so yeah, soccer. <laughs> yeah, and and like I said, it was not you know, not at all considered official by FIFA, so most people do not consider it a legit competition. So those are my facts about uh, Olympics and the soccer. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. If we could, if we could continue to keep 1904 buried deep underground in some kind of vault, that would be great. Yeah, I did no, not no. know that. That is extremely embarrassing. So, why are we talking about the Olympics? Uh, because they're happening. Duh. And this week, the United States women's national team played Sweden and New Zealand. 
the game of the week that we chose last week was United States versus Sweden, their first match in the Olympics. It actually took place before uh, the opening ceremonies. Brad, can you give us a breakdown of the roster? Because not everyone knows it. We'll go into the full roster, I think, as we utilize more and more players. I just wanted to talk about, at the very least, the starting lineup. So Alyssa Nair, just for those who might not know the team as well as us, Alyssa Nair, Red Stars, starts in goal. Kelly O'Hara out at right back. Abby Dahlkemper, Sauerbrunn, and then Dunn are our back four. Then we play a 4-3-3 with one single pivot midfielder, a six, if you will, and then two dual eights. And that was uh, Haran played the six in this game because Julie Ertz is still kind of recovering from the knee. And then Sam Mewis, Rose Lavelle were our dual eights. Um, Rose Lavelle is a, is a skillster. She's pretty fantastic on the ball. So I have high expectations for her this tournament. And then our front three were Tobin Heath, Alex Morgan, and Kristen Press. Tobin Heath is a baller. Don't care what soccer you like. You like to watch Tobin Heath play. She can skill check anybody. She loves the uh, the flip-flop move where you use the outside of your foot and then cut back to the inside of your foot quickly. I just love watching her play. This team should crush Sweden. Yes. Unfortunately, not the case. Mm. As Sweden came away with the 3-0 to zero victory against the U.S. women's team. In the first half of this game, things started to look like they were in Sweden favor right away. However, uh, the U.S. really got the first shot off uh, in the 11th minute. Uh, it was Heath after a bunch of early Sweden pressure. Uh, yeah, that was a freaking laser from Heath there. Nice stop by Lindahl. Yeah. Sweden answers back with a couple shots in quick succession. 14th minute, there's a shot for Rolfo. 15th minute right after that is a shot for Blackstenius. Yes. Uh, the 15th minute specifically was off of a bad turnover by Dunn, who tried to switch the field from her own left side of her box. Not great. Uh, both shots and a lot of the pressure came from Sweden's right side, U.S.'s left side. Dunn was kind of left on an island by herself as both wingers were not really coming back for the U.S. And I'm not even sure if this is the U.S. playing poorly or Sweden were on their game and they are good, man. They are a good team. I think they have, they're on a run for gold. I think they're that good. Ooh. And again, more shots for Sweden in the 24th minute. Rolfo gets another one. Another bad, bad turnover from Dunn. Yeah, I have to say, Naira made some solid stops these first 20 minutes. Uh, mm -hmm. The defense, honestly, though, looks very unsettled, and it is very concerning at this point. Yes, and finally, Sweden gets their first goal in the 25th minute. It is Black Stenius who breaks through, opens the floodgates for Sweden. And here's the concern. This is starts from a throw-in on the opposite side of the field. The U.S. do attempt to press. And Sweden just get out of it very easily, switch it to the other side. And then there's an overlapping fullback and Dunn is isolated 1v2. It's very difficult. Jakobsen is in too much space and her near perfect cross to the near post. And it's a brave header from Blackstenius. Yeah, brave is the perfect wording here because the chance of you getting your face totally wrecked here is huge. Yeah. Uh, shows how much Sweden want it. They want to win this game. It's a huge uh, payoff 
for the hard work that they put in for these first 25 minutes. It also kind of felt like the dam broke for me here. Like I was, I was very concerned because uh, they were kind of holding and holding, holding, and this was the breakthrough. Uh, the U S needed to get a goal fast to counter this feeling. Um, and we'll go into the rest of the game here. And they really do. Um, in that 26th minute, they go right back at Sweden, creating an opposition. Right now, both teams trading punches like heavyweight contenders. Love it. Sure, sure. Yeah, the the U.S., it's not all bad. The U.S. are a very good team, and when they can create opportunities out of nothing, it just seemed like people weren't connecting very well. Touches were just going a little away. Passes weren't clicking, and Sweden came to play. Yep, absolutely. And in that 30th minute, we see another breakaway um, for Sweden here. And this starts from a center back giveaway. And typically our center backs are very good passers and we can pass around just about anyone. But here's where some of the tactics come in. The U.S. are playing a 4-3-3 with their dual eights. But Sweden played a 4-2-3-1 and their two holding mids would just sit on our eights. And it made it very hard to play through the midfield. And I don't think that Alex Morgan did a good enough job of dropping off that lead line to come get the ball. And again, our center backs don't misplace passes like this. And it totally, it's going to keep happening in this game. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, Sweden also had opportunities to make this a larger lead in the first half. Mm -hmm. There was a long shot from outside of the box that was well saved. And then there was a misread long ball, which doesn't happen to the U.S. women. And Blackstenius was free in the box and just, just couldn't get her shot off. However, opportunity right before half for the U.S. women's team. Rose Lavelle smacks the post with a header. So close. So close. Uh, comes from a, a cleared corner. So all the U.S. players are still way up into the box. Uh, O'Hara is about 20 yards away from her half line and sends a beautiful ball right to Rose Lavelle's head. And honestly, I'm going to call this one unlucky. I know that's out of my <laughs> yeah, Guys, guys, I thought this was it. <laughs> I was so excited. This was the equalizer. Jumped out of my chair. Super rough. Like, I was so hyped. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a tough one. Tough one. In the second half, we see some substitutions on the U.S. ends. Ertz is going to come in from U.S. My gal. And Lloyd is going to come in from Morgan. Also my gal. <laughs> These are changes I would have made just how the game was going. I would have maybe waited a little longer for the Lloyd sub. But bringing Ertz into this game provides us a little just more solidity than Haran is at that six. And then Haran is also a very good eight and we haven't talked about Sam Mewis yet because she barely touched the ball in the first half. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to put a little asterisk there. Uh, she's our girl. That's We're Red Stars. Red Stars. So yes. She's ours. <laughs> yeah. Good call. However, those substitutions did not change things as quickly as we would have hoped for in the 54th minute. Black Stenius has another goal for Sweden, making it a 2-0 to zero game. Another thing that's slightly concerning here because the U.S. does not lose things on set pieces where we tend to be very good in the air in these situations. This was an in-swinger and won cleanly by the Sweden center back. Deserved the goal, but it hit the far post and ricochets right to the striker. And that's what happens when you're a good striker. You just end up with these. And she, uh, <laughs> uh, a nice casual finish. 
Yeah, for me, uh, after the initial effort, I was sure we were going to get away with it. Uh, but Black Stannis, uh was right there to pounce on it and made us pay. Uh, again, well-deserved from Sweden, though. They are looking yep. fantastic this game. Yep. Yep. Yeah, they really did. In the 61st minute, we had a exciting opportunity for the U.S. team shot by Lloyd. And what a pass from Rose Lavelle to get mm-hmm. it to her with a great, great look. She didn't have a perfect game, and I think we'll talk about it later, but it just took her a game to get her legs underneath her. But she has this type of quality. It's 1v1 against Bjorn for Lloyd, and Bjorn knows that Lloyd wants to cut back to the center of the box. It's fantastic defending. Yell at me if you want, uh, but Lloyd wasn't going to beat Bjorn uh, nor the keeper at the near post. Mm. I feel mm. like her best effort might have been concentrated at the far post here. Mm. Uh, I think she's older and a little bit slower, and she should have known to put it in that direction. Dave, okay. I won't yell at you. <laughs> <laughs> in the sixty-third minute, yes. In the, six, <laughs> in the sixty-third minute, we have more substitutions. Hertig for Blackstenius on Sweden's end, which is. A little surprising. Yeah, I was a little bit shocked here because uh, she was knocking on the door of a hat trick and yeah. she had just put in an effort around the 60th minute. I believe like prior to what we were talking about earlier, that was very close. So I am yeah. pretty shocked. So she must have been gassed and asked to come off. That could be. Uh, First game of a very compressed weird. tournament yeah. too. So there's a, some rotation here, I think. Uh, we also have to mention the 64th minute. Rapino comes in for Heath. Heath had a rather mediocre game in the 64th minute. We see a substitution for the U S team. Rapino is going to come in for Heath. And in the 70th minute, shortly after that, we have a shot by Jakobsen. This was an overload created by the overlapping wing back, which Sweden used quite a bit in this game. Uh, Jakobsen gets a quick shot off, but it was a quite a good save by Nair. In the 71st minute, we have a shot by press, which hits the post again. Really should have gone in on that one. And this is why we brought up the Rapino sub. Uh, Heath had a less than memorable game this time, which is very unlike her. But in any case, Rapino came on and was ready. She makes a clever run during a dead ball. Uh, her defender had fallen asleep a little bit. And she's so composed in these moments. Left side of the box. Press makes a nice double run here. A little kind of fake to the near post. And then slows down and moves to the middle of the six. Rapino finds her. Goalkeeper's beaten. Press has the whole goal to shoot at. And pings it off the post. The final goal of the game is going to come in the 72nd minute. Hertig for Sweden puts it in. 3-0 to zero is now the score. The U.S. had made a little defensive play in here. But there was almost a 10-pass play before this one. It just They had the ball for a while. There was a ball out on the right sideline for Sweden and just kind of pinned there. And Dunn thought she had the situation solved. Instead, there was a heel flick straight down the line, like a perfect pass to the overlapping again, wing back here. Dunn's beaten. Sauerbrutten has to come over to help. Dahlkamper, who had already been beaten near post in this game, decided to take a gamble. And she was wrong. Her tick was just in the middle of the six, just waiting. Yep, absolutely. In the 80th minute, more changes for the U.S. team. Davidson is going to come in for Dunn. And Dunn uh, did just did not have a good game. Just not her best. Uh, she'd had some good defensive moments, but she's good in 
the offensive side too. And it just wasn't seen today. I was curious who's behind Dunn on the left back depth chart, because if it's not her, who? And so yeah. Tierna comes in um, another red star. Uh, and I was excited to see her play. Yeah, absolutely. In the 87th minute press has another shot, drags it wide of the goal running out of time here. You can tell the U S team is just getting desperate for a goal. Yeah, I, I think this is where we don't need to be all negative about the U.S. The U.S. are going to be okay. It just, I don't yes. think, had everything clicking in this game. But you give these girls opportunities, they're going to find, op- they're going to create. Just didn't put it in today. Uh, Rapino, another great run in behind. Press, another great run to find the ball. Chests it down and just pulls it wide. And Press has one f- Final header shortly after that last goal opportunity for the United States does not come away with it, obviously. And this is a good sign for our left back depth chart because Davidson has a nice overlapping run, strong and speedy carry, just shakes off a defender and then a perfect ball to press his head who makes nice contact and a pretty decent save here by Lindahl again. Absolutely. So undoubtedly a shocking end result here. The United States women's team has not been shut out since 2017, mm-hmm. and they come out right away in the Olympics and lose three to zero to Sweden. So the United States women's team, obviously heavy favorites, expected to show up and perform at top level, um, and did not do that here. Fans were unhappy. Obviously, the team is unhappy, and as with any top tier team that loses right out the gate. There's questions flying all over the place. Do they have it? What happened? What's wrong? Um, and I think it speaks to the women to come out and play the way, play the way they did against New Zealand because shortly after that we have the victory against New Zealand six to one. True. There's going to be adjustments made. We saw again, the U S created opportunities and just didn't put them away. There were just little things that were off. I think we're going to be yeah. just fine. Uh, and also Sweden are better than we give we've given them credit for. They came out, they weren't just sitting back mm-hmm. in this game. They were all over the US. So good for Sweden. There's two teams that have given us problems. It's Sweden and it's Australia. And they're both mm-hmm. in our groups. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh and the pundits are very aware of everything as well. Um they have also been talking about after the new management for the team. Uh we have not lost at that point. So mm-hmm. this is kind of a wake up call. This is what they needed. And it happened in the group stage and they should be grateful that it happened in the group stage. So How are we going to win the group? One. No. Are they going to win the group? No. Are they going to win the world, uh, the world cup this next couple of years? Yes. Are they going to win <laughs> the Olympics? They need to, and they need to get back in it at this point. So I think they are still going to be locked in. I think they're motivated more than ever at this point because a loss motivates people, especially the women's national team, very, very hardcore. So they're going to be locked in and let's see what they do at 3 a.m. in the morning. So, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And so, as I mentioned, uh, the U.S. women's team also played New Zealand this last week and came away with the victory six to one, much a performance that's much more aligned with expectations for that team. Um, And since this is kind of a thrashing for the U.S. team, we are going to move through this one pretty quickly. I'll give a recap on each goal here. Um, But first thing to note, the alternate kits that they wore for this game, (laughs) the U.S. team were way better 
than the kids <laughs> for the first match. Yeah. As is the result. I'm not saying that's yeah. why they won, but there there might be some some magic. There's juice some controversy those about those alts, uh, the, the other ones. But yes, you're right. Look good, feel right. good. Yeah, we don't have to say anything. Else. <laughs> exactly. They there also took go. it out on. They were mad. Look and took it out yeah. on New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. Look hot, get hot. <laughs> <laughs> like it. There you go. So in the first half, things start off quickly on a good note for the United States. Ninth minute, Lavelle has the first goal of the game. The United States is off to a fast start. They're looking confident. A really nice touch pass from Tobin to give Lavelle the advantage and a clean look for the goal. U.S., they just look like they're humming. They're back yeah, to their much, old selves. Much more expected. Mm-hmm. And then again, in the last uh, few minutes of the first half, the 45th minute, Haran has a set-piece opportunity. The header from Ertz yeah. to the header from Haran to put the U.S. up to right before half, Yeah, head-to-head. In the second half, uh, we have an own goal, another one from Ursig um, uh, of New Zealand. Uh, it was an inward bending pass into the box from Haran. Carly Lloyd puts a head on it to float it up kind of perfectly right in front of the goal. And essentially, Tobin just kind of drags <laughs> Ursig into the ball and shoves her into it knocks her in the head and it goes in for the US goal. So not sure that's what Tobin was intending, but well done. Very well yes. done. Yeah. <laughs> in the 72nd minute, here we have the goal for New Zealand, Hassig. I'm going to chalk this one up to sloppy defense from the US. Dahl Kemper trips on the way back to try and prevent this goal. You shouldn't be in that position in the first place. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, you also can't be tripping in that situation. <laughs> in the 80th minute, we go back to the United States with Press, who has a beautiful pass from Ertz right to the top of the box where Press settles and then blasts it into the corner of the goal. It looks like just the way Brady taught us to play. Settle. Don't even think about it. Just shoot it. Bam. Right there. Mm-hmm. Touch and hit. No hesitation. Love it. And then in the 88th minute, we have another goal for the United States. Alex Morgan shows up. Um, Press has a crossing pass from left side of the box to the right. Morgan gathers, launches at the opposite back post for the fifth U.S. goal. And the last goal of the game is going to come from Press in the third minute of stoppage time. This is really just salt in the wound. (laughs) Fast break goal from the United States to make it six to one, the final score over New Zealand. So this is really what we expected from the United States women's national team. Everybody, you can relax. They still got it. Mm -hmm. Took a little time for them to get aligned. Um, New Zealand is not Sweden. They're not Australia. However, uh, they are still an Olympic women's soccer team. So they are top tier. Yes. Um, I think we'll be all right moving forward. We will be touching base on the next steps for the U.S. women's national team in the Olympics closer to the end of this episode when we touch base on Game of the Week. Uh, By the time this episode comes out, the U.S. women's team will have played their next Olympic match. Um, We will be sure to get in touch with all of the updates uh, next on our episode next week. We'll break it all down for you. Don't be afraid. We won't miss anything. Switching things over to the men's national team for the U.S. This week, they played Jamaica. 
They did. They sure did. Uh, Jamaica proved to be an adversary uh, opponent again. So, uh, first half, uh, Oppie has an absolutely brilliant opportunity. The ball was intended for DK at the top of the 18. However, the defense gets into it and breaks up the play. But the clearance was kind of errant by low on the Jamaican side. He ends up making a nice pass to Hoppy on the left side. <laughs> this is sarcasm. If you guys haven't figured out my sense of humor at this point, <laughs> he was inside at the, uh, the 18. Hoppy absolutely drills the ball to the lower left corner of the net. Uh, but that did not beat the caper Blake. Uh, this was a super exciting he, chance. This was, I he definitely yeah, thought, yeah, he yeah. He, 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 his reaction, you're absolutely right, right, Brady, because he was, he was celebrating and he was past the post, like on the goal, yeah. like thought he had made it <laughs> in, like he thought he had drilled it in there at that point. All right. Uh, just cause we're doing abbreviated, uh, story of this game, 39th minute Turner makes a fantastic save hoppy. Fails to get the ball out of danger. And this is where you have to remember that while you might be an offensive player for a team, you always have to get back on defense and get things out of trouble. Everybody's, yes. Everybody's a defender. You have to be tactical about it. So Williams ends up stealing the ball from Hoppy um, and passes off to Flemings. Flemings takes a controlling touch and keeps it tight to his body. And this was key here. Like, and he might have got lucky. Who cares? Acosta ends up. Overrunning the play. <laughs> and uh, and this ends up creating space for Flemings to get off a powerful shot from distance. He was outside of the 18 here. Uh, Turner is positioned fantastically well, though, because it's from distance. And he makes a fantastic diving save to his left. And um, I had to just say he has been my MVP of this tournament so far for the USA. Like, I have been talking about goalkeepers way more than I normally do, but he like <laughs> between him and Shuttleworth, they have been kind of locked in this summer and it's been mm-hmm. fun to watch. So I was super hyped. So second half, uh, I just wanted to say both goalkeepers made great stops the first 20 minutes. Like I just wanted to throw that out there. It's important to shout it out. And that's why there wasn't any hype until later when Hoppy scores in the 83rd minute. Robinson makes an extra effort and keeps the ball inside the U.S. attacking half, which is super cool. Um, and he prevented a Jamaican transition. Like, it would have actually been a fast break. He has it to Moore, who makes a smooth turn towards the outside of the pitch and heads towards the top right-hand side of the of the box facing the goal. This forces the Jamaican defense to have a man step towards him and frees up Roldan on the right wing. Moore passes it off off to him once the defender bites and Rodan sees Zardes and Hoppy have a chance to get a ball at the far post. Zardes is running with the ball towards the middle of the, of the box while Hoppy is running in from left-hand side into the box. Hoppy ends up leaping and connects with the header and it's one nil USA super late in the game. It was also so, super late at night and I liked yeah. it a full on silent yeah, yeah, screaming. Don't want to wake up the neighbors in yeah. Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so aftermath, USA makes it to the semifinals and will face Qatar. So let's go. And we need to, I just want to like point this out real quick. We need to talk about why Qatar is in the CONCACAF games. And that's very important because obviously they are nowhere near here, but is also a very important uh, step in the World Cup. 
and why it's so important. So we will talk about that next week. For sure. Absolutely. Thank you, Dave, for the breakdown. One might say that Hoppy has the Hoppies Indeed. to take the win. Nice. Astute. All right. Time for the mailbag. I love it. Questions have been sent in to our email or DM to us on our Instagram. Please continue to do so. We will do mailbag segments like this every once in a while, but this is our very first one and we are very excited. Thank you all for sending in questions. So question number one, why are you all interested in soccer? I think I will go to Brady right away for this one. Sure. Soccer has been my favorite sport since I had to pick one, which was in third grade. My dad said, I can't keep driving you to both baseball and soccer and whatever the heck else you're into. So, and to his surprise, I chose soccer. I have always loved the dichotomy of the game, how it's the beautiful game, but brutal at the same time. You've got six foot five guys playing against five foot four guys, and they're both on the same field, competing for the same ball. Absolutely love it. I also love the masculinity of, oh, I'm bigger, stronger, faster than you. But if you hit me in the ankle, I'm going down and grabbing that thing and making sure you get a yellow card for it. And the the strategy mixed with the athleticism, mixed with the the skill is just why it's my favorite sport. Yeah. So for me, um, I I was able to continue to play both sports my entire life. However, um, my mom was actually the coach of my, my soccer team. Oh, and I, awesome. I, uh, yeah, I loved it, but we played a super weird game of soccer in Westman. It was box ball, which I, <laughs> I actually talked to Brady about it. He's like, what the hell does that even mean? Box ball. I was like, I don't, uh, I thought that was a normal thing. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's not. Um, normally most people actually do let everybody chase after the ball. It's fantastic. But my mom introduced it to me. Uh, my uncle was super into it. Uh, my brother and I always, had a fantastic time playing it. And then we kind of took a break from it when I got into junior high and high school, played basketball and baseball. And then um, my high school friends and I decided to make a team happen at the high school level. So that's why we super got back into it again. I remember watching, and this is why I'm a super big Liverpool fan at the same time. I remember watching some highlights um, like on ESPN when they started advertising soccer again for the USA and they scored a late goal. I got super locked in and they didn't really mean anything at the time. Like they were just qualifying for the champions league, but I got super locked in, became a Liverpool fan. It was super dope. So that's why I'm interested in soccer again. Absolutely. Yeah. And my main interest uh, really started with Brady and Dave's interest. And it is a sport that I, uh, I played in kindergarten did not play well and said, so I'm just going to not do that again um, and have never really understood it. And I don't like to have something that is this big and popular and, and, and on all the time be something that I don't get or appreciate. So um, having the opportunity over the past couple of years to dive in deeper, um, have Brady and Dave fully indoctrinate me in has been mm-hmm. uh, interesting and it's just fun to new, uh, learn a new sport. One person and at a time. Also, j- just to not sell that they'll do, but Herman has joined us out on a pitch right before COVID. He was playing soccer with <laughs> us too. True. So he yes. is super into it and <laughs> he is fully embraced it. And it's fantastic to have him on the show. So it's, it's super fun. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So Dave, you touched on uh, Liverpool a little bit and how you became a fan of them. Yes. Yes. Um, Brady, do you want to touch base on Tottenham? Because for those of you who don't know, Dave is a diehard Liverpool fan. Brady is a diehard Tottenham Hotspur fan. It makes for good banter during the Premier League seasons. Mm-hmm. Actually, this growing way. up, I was because uh, right now you can't see this. I'm wearing an AC Milan jersey. Uh, I also Ooh. was a Manchester United fan. However, that wasn't Ooh. really by choice. <laughs> it wasn't really by choice. They were the only teams that were on TV. They were both pretty much OP teams. <laughs> they were pretty much OP. Uh, Kaká is one of my favorite players ever, ever, ever. Clarence Seydorf, that Milan team was nonsense. So good. And then this was around the time of United's rise and Fergie time and Rooney and Skulls and Nani and Ronaldo started and all that stuff. So they were the only teams I could catch on TV. Ah. Then when NBC started to claim the rights and start to broadcast the games so I could watch any team I wanted to, I just started doing some research and I'm not a front runner necessarily. So I thought that Milan and Bayern and Man U didn't really fit my vibe as well as the Hotspurs. These try-hard fighters that were always in the top 10 could have a chance to win if they really put it together, but then you know they don't have the same resources as those big clubs. And now you cut to the success of Bale and Kane and their youth system has always been very good. Those are things that intrigued me very much. And now Spurs would like to think that we are getting nearer and nearer to those bigger, bigger clubs because we've got a brand new stadium. We've got our own new system where we can fill in gaps and things like that. And so that's just where my love of Spurs came in. And then also the Atlantic is a huge part of it because when I moved to Chicago... Uh, downtown Chicago, it was critical for me to find a supporters group just to watch soccer with friends. And it turned out that the Atlantic had the Chicago Spurs, hundred of your closest friends, shoulder to shoulder in a bar uh, watching the games. There's, there's, it's hard to find a better way to watch the game. Yeah. Just before we transition. So I'm going to say something bad and then say something good. Uh, (laughs) Spurs, tough times, tough times right now, but (laughs) I will have to say that the uh, Atlantic has been my favorite soccer bar, even as a Liverpool fan. I've gone incognito for years, but I still <laughs> think that it is the best time ever, even though I kind of yell out when Liverpool scores and every game gets mad at me. <laughs> it is the best Chicago bar experience for soccer. I have been to AJ Hudson's. I've been to the Globe. They are both fantastic bars as well, but there is nobody as welcoming as the Atlantic and the Tottenham fans. They're fantastic. They're a great group of people, and that's where you should go if you go to a soccer bar in Chicago. Cheers to that, Dave. Yeah. Cheers. So uh, there is a follow-up question to uh, the favorite teams question, um, which is Herman, when are you picking a team? And I assume they mean an English Premier League team. The EPL season starts on August 13th, which is just around the corner. Therefore, I will be deciding which team I will be supporting on August 9th. Okay. Bow, bow, bow. Make sure that you tune in for that episode 
of the Windy City. Yeah, Vineyard, he's locked as in. Well he can't as... <laughs> change his mind at that point. So no, uh, I can't. No going is, back. Yeah. I will have to buy a kit and a scarf and a flag it's and all of it. It's not the Spurs. <laughs> it's not the Spurs. It's not the Spurs. It's not Liverpool because that would be unfair odds. It would be two versus one on the podcast. Not fair. However, ninth will be the day. Uh, so make sure you tune in next week. Obviously, we'll have a lot of Olympic soccer, Gold Cup soccer to break down. But also, we're going to be discussing some of the history of those EPL teams. So this next question is actually directed at me. Oh, thank you so much. I, uh, I'm very grateful. And watch his head grow. Uh, <laughs> it's already too big. What uh, the question is, what is your background on your regional preferences? If you have been listening, you realize I'm a huge Minnesota fan, a Ludens fan. The reason I'm talking about them is I spent the first 18 years of my life in Minnesota and grew up watching all Minnesota sports, Vikings, Twins, Golden Gophers. I didn't really watch the Wild, the <laughs> NHL team, because hockey was just not really part of my life, which is weird for someone from Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> but... I am loud and proud about being from Minnesota and absolutely love their sports teams, no matter how bad and cursed they are, which is most of the time. Um, so that's why every week I have to get my loons check in because naturally, uh, when I got involved in soccer, the loons are one of the first teams that I became interested in. And I love the the loon the actual animal it is an awesome bird cool. they're beautiful cool um uh, their loon calls are really really beautiful and i've always wanted a team in minnesota to have them as a as a cool logo a mascot sure. yeah and then as far as i go i am from the chicago suburbs i'm from the west side the downest grove area tg 630 yeah <laughs> That's where I'm from. Yeah. Yeah. Brad from the North Burbs. I'm from North side of Chicago. Always been a Cubs fan. Always been a Chicago sports fan. Uh, 847. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out. 952. Nice. All my my Eden Prairie, Chaska, Chanhassen peeps. That's awesome. Let go. The next question is directed actually directly at Ian. Because he doesn't have a voice as of yet on this podcast, although he does clean it up to make all of our voices sound awesome. The question is, does Ian have any favorite soccer teams? Ian was not able to join us tonight, but I will be reading for Ian. I'm a relatively new soccer fan and haven't really latched on to a team yet. However, I do love going to fire games and being rowdy with the cheering section. Excellent. Sick, I've never heard Ian speak. <laughs> nice. That's exactly what he sounds like. Thank you very much for sending in those mailbag questions. Um, hopefully we have some for next week that we can break down as well. Continue to send them in. I love to talk about myself. So send in as many as you he want does. that are directed directly Please. at me. And that would, it'll make me very happy. Last homework for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dave doesn't like to think about himself. I don't. <laughs> Speaking of next week, looking ahead, lots of big soccer games coming up. However, the biggest one, 
The one that we have chosen as our game of the week is... The U.S. men's national team versus Qatar, the Gold Cup semifinal. The U.S. men's national team will play Qatar on July 29th at 6.30 p.m. on FS1. Make sure you tune in for our game of the week. In addition to all the other games we have going on, the Red Stars play the Washington Spirit on August 1st at 5 p.m. The Fire play the Philadelphia Union on August 1st at 5 p.m. Dual screens. Dual screens. Get it going. Gold Cup games. Mexico versus Canada, July 29th at 9 p.m. The final of the Gold Cup is going to be August 1st at 7.30. After your dual screens, dual screens. Final. (laughs) CONCACAF. Let's go. Yeah. Let's hope the U.S. is in it. August 1st is going to be a huge night for soccer. Yeah. It's Make sure be. we're tuning in. Sick. U.S. women's national team for Olympic soccer. They are playing Australia <gasps> tomorrow, Tuesday, July 27th at 3 a.m. Uh, so, as I mentioned, that game will be taking place between uh, the ending of this recording and when you actually hear it. We will break down that game next week. Um, Congratulations, so that game will be USA. Completed Solid comeback. Oh, man, yeah, no, dude. Just, you cocky, Good cocky stuff for the USA her. coming back yeah. from that. Slow start <laughs> against Sweden. Really, truly well done for the ladies and on to the next. I heard uh, Julie Ertz almost scored a hat trick. It was sick. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The Women's Olympic Soccer Tournament uh, continues, obviously, after that quarterfinals are going to be July 30th, early in the morning. The semifinals are going to be August 2nd, early in the morning as well. Make sure that you're tuning in. Stay on top of these games because they are happening really quickly. Before we know it, Mm -hmm. the soccer will be done. Say it ain't so. It is so. That's how the Olympics works. Other games that are happening outside of everything that I've already mentioned. Dave, what's going on? Men's Olympic Tournament. Liverpool Friendly versus Hertha Berlin. July 29th, 1.20 p.m. Brady, because you do not care about Tottenham preseason. Tottenham Friendly versus MK Dons. July 28th, 1.45 p.m. You're welcome, Tottenham fans, because Brady's not a big enough believer. Okay. 18 days till the first Premier League game. That is Arsenal versus Brenton. We've talked about them last season. It's going to be super fun. 19 days before Liverpool's first game and 20 days until Tottenham. So uh, we should be super hyped about EPL. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, Herman, we have to solidify your stuff very soon, Herman. So, yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Yeah. And well said. Excellent. Yep. I'm looking forward to picking a team and making it official. And then I can have a flag in my background. This was a very long episode. Thank you for hanging in there with us. We did our best to keep the time down. Don't want to take up too much of your busy, busy weeks. We thank you as always for tuning in. Please give us a follow on Instagram at Windy City 
wingers. Also linked in that Instagram is our Patreon. Uh, you can also just go to patreon.com and search Windy City Wingers to find in there. Anything that you can throw our way will help us grow the podcast, expand on ideas, um, improve our recording sound even further than it already is. As I mentioned previously, please email us, windycitywingers.info at gmail.com. Send in those questions. Uh, Let us know feedback. What segments do you like? Uh, What do you think needs improvement? Always open to recommendations. Brady, if people want to reach out directly to you, where can they find you on those social medias? Twitter, I am at stat underscore bro. Instagram, I am, I am at bradthebard13. I've got some music stuff coming out too, but I'm also publishing all my soccer stuff on both mediums. Excellent. And Dave, where can we find you? You can find me on WCW Dave on both Twitter and Instagram. Perfect. I'm going to be a troll very soon. <laughs> I have no doubt about that at all but i'm looking forward to reading all of it all of the troll thank you everyone for listening the dungeon (laughs) harry potter reference i think sick reference sick reference bro oh man sick bro (laughs) thank you everyone we'll catch you next week thank you all (laughs) and apologies goodbye